Church family, both here and those joining us online, let us put our voices together as one as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our gracious God calls us to come before him and confess our sins. Would you join me in our prayer of confession, which you will find there in your bulletin. Let us pray. Gracious God, forgive us for the doubt that clouds our vision, the pain that makes us hide from you, from ourselves, and from those we love most. Free us from our confusion, Heal us from our wounds. Resurrect us from our shame. Raise us into the hope and joy that we realize when we are close to you. Amen. Friends, this is the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves his love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is Luke chapter 24, beginning with the 13th verse. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with him. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation which you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since this happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. And they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He appeared to be going further, but they constrained him, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And he, when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while, we talked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven gathered together, and those who were with them, who said, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Somewhat unrelated to our message today, I don't know if you know this, but the staff, including the clergy members, were advised to park right beside the library across the street so as to allow all the spaces available near the church to y'all folks, especially the parking lot right beside our Jubilee Hall, you'll see that there is a section right there along the, the road that says, for seniors only on Sundays. But if you have children with you, we are permitted to park nearby because crossing the streets can be kind of tedious. So uh, I drove this morning with my daughter Chloe and uh, we drove to the close parking lot right beside Jubilee Hall. We're driving by and we drove by the senior only section. Hannah says, not Hannah, Chloe said, Daddy, why don't we just park there? You usually park there during weekdays. I was like, no, Chloe, on Sundays, that's for seniors only. She said, What's a senior? I was like, well, there are older people who may need the closer spaces. And she goes, but Daddy, you are old. True story. The first appearance of the resurrected Lord in Gospel according to Luke happens on this road uh, in Emmaus. It's about seven miles long. We see two disciples walking by. Uh, these are two folks. We don't know what they're feeling. Surely nothing very good. They're probably wondering a question that quite can be devastating. They're thinking to themselves, did we bet our lives on the wrong savior. There's a whole lot of crucifixion, resurrection trauma that's going on. The very one whom they bet their lives on, he dies, he's buried, and a couple of days later, they're hearing funny stories about a, a stone removed from the tomb and an empty tomb with no body. The women have some things to say about it. They don't quite believe them, and they're lost. They're lost. You ever feel like that sometimes in your lives? Or where you think to yourselves, have I bet my life on the wrong Savior? It can be quite devastating. So in the midst of this ongoing death, Jesus walks beside them. But we read that these two disciples are unable to recognize Jesus. Their eyes were kept, we read, from recognizing Jesus. He is right there beside them, the manifestation, the incarnation of all their hopes and dreams, yet they don't see what's in front of them. So quick trivia, can you tell me the most common healing story in the gospel lessons, particularly in Luke? It's kind of a trick question. It's the gift of sight. It's healing of the blind. And it's multifaceted, isn't it? There is at times, oftentimes, when Jesus heals those who are literally blind. They cannot see anything at all. But underneath that layer, there's also the healing of the blind where we're able to see, make colors and shapes, but we're unable to see what's plainly in right in front of us. Yes? You can see someone and not really see that someone. I'm going to go way back here back to a movie from 1997, As Good As It Gets, starring Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt. It has one of the greatest romantic lines ever. Uh, it's a story of uh, Jack Nicholson plays a character who's a writer. He has some mental health uh, issues. 
and Helen Hunt plays a waitress uh, at a restaurant where Jack Nicholson goes every day. And throughout the movie, he falls in love with her. And toward the end of the movie, he's trying to woo her, but she's very reluctant, rightfully so, because of his ongoing mental health issues. Extreme OCD to, uh, to, to be one of the, the many ongoing issues for Jack Nicholson's character. So toward the end of the movie, he says this line about seeing. I think most people missed out about you, and I watch them wondering how they can watch you bring their food and clear their tables and never get that they just saw the greatest woman alive. And the fact that I get it makes me feel good about me. Greatest pickup line ever. <laughs> Eyes and understandings are always linked. Consider Simeon who waited all of his life in the temple, waiting for the glory of the God to come, and he finally sees that in the, in the form of Jesus the Christ. We know the blinding and the seeing of Saul from Tarsus, Apostle Paul. Jesus is the one who sees Matthew, Zacchaeus, the lepers, the lame, the Gentiles. Jesus is the one who sees the women in the mist. He's the one who even sees his so-called enemies. But the disciples' eyes, their eyes are kept from recognizing Jesus. Until when? What finally unveils the scales from their eyes and enables them to see? It is when Jesus breaks bread with them. Then and only then, these disciples are able to correctly see and recognize what's plainly in front of them. In Luke's narrative, and gospel's no different, the breaking of the bread, the sharing of the meal is one of the most common ministries that Jesus does. I mean, if, if restore, restoration of the blindness is the most common healing story, surely the most common ministry that Jesus engages in is what? It's nothing more or less than breaking bread together, eating together, eating a meal together. Back when I was, this is, I don't know, 15, however many years ago, I was serving in a small town. And this is a town and a church that I've preached about before. You'll hear me telling stories about this church in, in a small town, Dudley. When I was there, there was one traffic light. Uh, it, it's a town where uh, there was decline of population uh, over the years, precipitous decline in jobs, education, health. In the midst of all that decline, when a church is vital and growing, it's like Easter every Sunday uh, within the time that we spent together. And it was us who did it with the grace of God. The church grew. I mean, the church grew over twice what it was. We reached out to the communities, fed the hungry, welcomed those who'd never been inside uh, the walls of the church. We did marvelous things. And as it is, uh, I was moved a couple of years later, appointed to a different church. And the lay leaders, the women of that church, drove hours to come visit me and Hannah. This is the days before we had kids. And we took them out to Mellow Mushroom and we ate pizza together. And in the midst of our conversation, Melanie, who's one of our lay leaders, said, Uyan, you know, we really appreciate our shared memories, the things that we were able to do together in the midst of God's grace that was always with us from time to time. We do talk of you. And we ask ourselves, you know, in ways of Uyan, what did he do so well as a pastor? And the true story, this is what she said, None of us could come up with anything. <laughs> kind of hurt a little bit. But she said, but we do remember and we share stories of eating together, how you invited all of us throughout every weekend. And we did. We invited. And if the church is, let's say, 60 people in average attendance, you can invite everybody for a meal once a, once a week. And you can do that two, three times over in a course of three years, which we did. We ate together. We shared stories, listened to each other, prayed for one another. And it was in that breaking of bread that forged so many of the wonderful things that happened in the life of that church. You know, I'm a fan of, uh, uh, I'm a fan of theological conversations, theological debates. Uh, heartier the better. No problem with me. 
But you know, I can't think of one time where through a theological argument that a perennial truth of God was revealed to me. It has never happened to me. It's always been in the breaking of bread, sharing of meal, when I've been able to truly understand the very people that I wish to connect with, it is then and only then that God's grace has been revealed to open my eyes to see the truth that's right in front of me, especially when it comes to my fellow neighbors, my sisters and brothers and friends in Christ, especially those whom I may declare to be my enemies. You know what's the best way to reconcile that? Break bread together, eat together, drink coffee, drink tea, whatever beverage you want to drink. Sure, uh, we pray without ceasing, we worship always, we serve without counting, but make no mistake about it, it is through God's grace that the truth of God will be, can be revealed to you and to us. So what new understanding is God calling us to as a church as we come before the Lord in the Lord's Supper? as we break bread and eat together, what may be new truth of God that might be right in front of us that we have yet to see that God desires to reveal to us. And make no mistake about it, we come to the table not because of perfection, but we come to the table with a sense of re repentance. We come here not because we are perfect, but because we are in need of forgiveness. Although Christ resurrects in three days, Easter does not come in three days for many of us. The stone has been removed and the tomb is empty, but many of us, me, I too, have stayed in that empty grave willing, willingly to my own detriment. And I believe that God is constantly calling us to leave the empty tomb, to leave the places of our broken dreams, and to receive new life, an abundant life to eat bread, to drink wine, to, to receive life anew. Now more than ever, I tell you, uh, uh, there is, even within my heart, a constant war that goes on. The very war that, that I see within our nation, within our community, within our family, within churches, there's so much uh, divisions, anger, frustrations, self-righteous anger and I ask myself we ask ourselves what can bridge this chasm this gap in our world uh, in our nation in our churches in our homes within our own lives I wish I had a simple answer to this it'd be wonderful if we could be systematic about doing this thing but perhaps uh, this good work of bridging the gap, of reconciliation and redemption of new life, perhaps one of the steps, perhaps the very beginning of the step, is to eat together, to break bread together, to come before the Lord's table, to get in line to say, God, we are in need of your grace. Reveal to us new truth, your truth, your presence in our lives that bridges all the gaps in our world and in my life. Charles Dudley Warner, <laughs> he's a Presbyterian, but that's okay. He writes these words. Happy is said to be the family which can eat onions together. They are, for the time being, separate from the world and have a harmony of aspiration. Happy is a family who eat together. We're so grateful for this meal that God has granted us today as we eat together. May it bring forth to God's truth, place of reconciliation, place for new life. Thanks be to God. Amen. Church, let us continue in prayer together. All loving God, we give thanks to be in a place where we belong. We give thanks for the gift of your church, for the ways we are challenged, the ways we are nurtured, the ways we are cared for. 
Lord, make this a place of belonging, a place of acceptance, a place of family, a place that seeks you in all that we think, say, and do. Lord, in your mercy. O oh, heavenly God, we come to you with all of our hopes and dreams. Our souls long for rest, renewal, contentment, success, and peace. Fill the gaps of our want with your grace, with your love. Help us to pursue you, seek change, and be transformed by you in the depths of our spirits. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, help us to look outward as well as inward. As we seek our own care, may we not neglect to care for those around us. Help us to have hearts for those who are consumed with despair, grief, feelings of worthlessness and anxiety. Give us attentive and patient spirits to wait, listen, and respond as you would respond to those around us. Be with those who are in the midst of illness. May they experience healing and your peace. We give thanks for all those who care for them. Our hearts are with those who are healing and also those who are in the wake of grief this week. We especially lift up the family of Jim Hatfield as they navigate their grief in this time. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, we come to you seeking your grace to be transformed by you. May it be so. May we see you at the table. Amen. At this time of offering, I want to extend my thanks for all the ways in which you continue to support this church so that, that we can worship together, that we can sing joyful songs together. Thank you.
Lord, this is the day that you have made. We offer our gifts to you joyfully. May they be used for the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, as we prepare the table, we are reminded that you need not be a member of Myers Park United Methodist Church. You need not be a member of the United Methodist Church or any churches to come to the Lord's table. For the Lord's table is open to all of God's people. A quick reminder before we continue onward, uh, after our blessing of the table, you will come as the ushers instruct you. You can come, we'll receive by intiction. You'll be given a broken piece of bread. You will dip it onto the cup and partake. There's also uh, an aisle available for you if you wish to come and receive a gluten-free and COVID-safe option as well. The table is open to all, and we will sing the response. So please refer to your uh, uh, bulletin and also your hymnal, page 17 and 18. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup gave thanks to you, gave to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit and us gathered here and on this gifts of bread and wine make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood by your spirit make us one with Christ one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in your holy church all honor and glory is yours almighty father now and forevermore
Now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of this one loaf. This bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is means of sharing in the blood of Christ.
Please join me for our prayer after communion is found in your bulletin. Let us pray together, friends. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves or others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. been fed now, so go out into the world and feed God's people. May the love of God, the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore.